Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I just want to share a little bit before we dive into tonight's sermon. And that this can easily be a sermon when we hear it, when we see certain things in our lives or the lack of certain things in our lives. When the conclusion is reached that, man, I should be better. And that is not what the conclusion of the sermon should be tonight. That whenever we realize that there's certain things not flowing from our lives or there's certain things that we should be devoted to that we are not, that I'm now going to try to be better. Now, whenever we are faced as Christians with the things that we know we see in light of Scripture that we should be busy with, but we don't want to be busy with them, is that we should dig a little bit deeper and we should go to the root of that to conclude, but why is the motivation lacking? Why isn't this thing automatically flowing from my life? Like we said in the sermon series that we are busy with, if we are rooted in the right things, then the right things flow out. Fruits produced, growth happens inevitably. When we are connected to God, who is the source of life that created and holds all things together, the inevitability of that is growth flowing from that. And as we go through this tonight, and if we become aware that we are doing well in light of Scripture, let's praise God because it's by His grace alone. But if we see we're struggling, let's not try to be better in our own efforts. But let's dig a little bit deeper than that. Let's see where the roots are. Let's surrender to Christ and allow Him to do a work in and through us. Amen. Let me pray for us and then we dive in. Yes, Lord, thank you that we can be here tonight, Lord. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, of worshiping you, Father, of lifting up your name, of experience fellowship, Lord. Oh, Father, yet to see your glory, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your name lifted up, Lord. And as we sit here, Lord, and as we worship and as we experience, Lord, the wonderful goodness of your word, May we enjoy every moment, Lord. But in the same light, know that there are those, Lord, that have never experienced it before. Lost, without God, and without hope in this world. And may we be compelled, Lord, by the work that you've done in us. For you to do that work through us, Lord. To go and proclaim the goodness of Christ to the nations. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in hearts. We pray, Lord, that you'd reveal spiritual things to those who are spiritual. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are busy with our sermon series, Rooted, where we look at the disciplines and the things that God has called us to be rooted in that causes growth. And we primarily concern not so much about the what. In these days, we, we really focused on what we want to achieve, where we want to be better, and what we want to do in life. But rarely do we focus on the how and the why. But how are we actually going to grow? And more importantly, why do we want to? What is the motivation behind it? What is going to sustain the things that we are busy with? And today we're going to look at discipleship. And I want to ask us before we begin, how actively are you involved in discipleship? To, to phrase it a different way, because sometimes we, we get confused. What is a disciple? Who's called to be a disciple? What does a disciple do? But how actively are you involved in the work of God? Busy building the kingdom of God. Co-workers, spreading the good news of the gospel and making disciples of nations. How involved are you? How much of your life reflects that work? Important question for us to ask. Specifically in light of the 
following three sermons that we did, we spoke about being rooted in the word of God, fellowship, and prayer. Now, the inevitable outcome of being rooted in those things is discipleship. Nothing else can be produced. Well, there's a lot of good things, but this will inevitably flow out. If I am rooted in the word of God that prepares me for every good work, I'm rooted in fellowship, the people of God that continuously encourages me to love and good works, and I'm rooted in prayer that sustains faith and compels me forward, then the inevitable outflow must be discipleship. I cannot be rooted in those things and discipleship doesn't flow out. But becoming like Christ in character and ministry. And like I say tonight, as we see that maybe we are not busy with these things as we should be, let's examine the roots. But where am I not connecting as I should? Am I really devoted to Christ? Am I, am I really experiencing that? fellowship with him is there a willingness in me to do what god has called us to do and tonight we want to define three things the first is the mandate of a disciple what is a disciple called to do and also who is called to be disciples secondly we want to define the importance of discipleship for us and for those around us why is it important and thirdly the motivation behind it we want to understand that and we want to make that our own so I'm going to read for us a passage of scripture that is well known that sums it up quite well in three verses. And that is Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20. And it reads as follows. And Jesus came and said to them just after he was resurrected from the dead before he ascended into heaven. And Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the mandate is clear, the commission is clear. Little room for misinterpretation. But where we miss it sometimes is when it comes to, the, okay, but who is actually called to do this? And where does this actually take place? And we read here in verse 19 and the first section of verse 20, what is it that we are called to do? So this defines both what a disciple is and what a disciple should do. And it says the following, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And we see those four verbs there actions attached to it things that we should do and that is to go therefore based upon jesus and his finished work on the cross make disciples baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that jesus commanded us now in the greek three of those are participles and one is imperative meaning that they're all verbs but one is the main one three of them are attached to the main focus it goes along with them and the main focus here is make disciples that is the imperative that is the main focus the rest explains to us how that takes place and the reason i share that with us is important for us to remember that because when the focus is wrong the mandate sounds more stressful more laborsome than it already does are you with me because what we tend to do is we make the main focus the go therefore part and automatically we exclude ourselves because we think that we should go to a different nation to start doing the work of Christ. And we think that this call and this mandate is reserved for missionaries alone. Are you with me? 
And when Jesus says, you go therefore, he's not saying go to a different nation. He says you have to do something. There's activity attached to that. The passivity must be shaken off and we need to stand up and we need to begin to walk. But they will not come to us, wherever they are. We must go to them. The mandate was never for the world to come. It was always for us to go. And the temptation is there to make churches places of entertainment so that we can entertain the crowd so that they can come. That was never the mandate. Yes, invite them. Let them come, but preach the gospel to them where they are. That is the call of discipleship. And it's not to go to other nations specifically. Yes, that also needs to happen. Missionaries need to go to different nations and to different people groups. We need to send mission teams. But the nations are also around us. We read in Acts 2 that they lived in Jerusalem, uh, people from every nation under the sun. The nations are around us. That word nation is ethne in Greek, means people groups, different ethnic groups. They are here around us. We need to go and we don't need to go far. Are you with me? Some of us just need to go where we're already going tomorrow. Just to focus on discipleship. But the nations will be there. And the work needs to be done, but passivity needs to be shaken off. We need to stand up and we need to move forward. It's a call to be taken up. Go therefore, take action. Make disciples, preach the gospel to them. And as they decide to follow Christ, baptize them. You see, the them that is supposed to be baptized, not the nations, but the disciples we make from them. And in that sequence, baptism is not reserved for infants. We cannot make someone a Christian. Some people call it Christianing. But it's for the disciple that starts to follow Jesus and wants to publicly proclaim that I've denied myself, I've taken up my cross and I've followed him. So make it public, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And this is important specifically in the age of information that we are living in. It doesn't say teach them to know, teach them to understand. Teach them to obey. Teach them to observe. Teach them to keep. Teach them to walk in what I've commanded you to do. And we live in a generation where information is the end goal. Yes, I understand. Let's move on to the next thing. It's not what Jesus says. No, no, no. We have to do the word of God. Like the book of James tells us. Don't only hear the word of God, but do it. Because if we hear and we don't do, we deceive ourselves. We think we are something that we are not. And we have to understand that this is difficult for us in the generation that we live in. Information is easy, accessible, like never before. And we are slow to obey, slow to take action in general. I mean, if we had to make a rule and say, you cannot read another passage of scripture before you've obeyed the last one, how many passages of scripture will you read? If we say that you cannot read a book if you haven't done all that the previous book said, how, much, how many books will we read? You cannot listen to the next podcast if you haven't put the previous podcast into action. How many podcasts will we listen to? Marius just shakes his head. I'll encourage you this week, Marius, to take action. Whatever that podcast was. I'm just making a joke. And you see, each and every one of us here is called to do this. 
It includes everyone. It says, when they says that, that go and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, what was the last thing that Jesus commanded? It was this. To go to the nations, to make disciples, to baptize people, and to teach them all that I've taught you. That is the last command. That is included in the package. Like we read in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, beautiful words that it says the same thing to us. And it's Paul saying, and he says, what you've heard from me is writing to Timothy in the presence of many witnesses, in trust to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. What you've heard from me, teach to others so that they can teach others. But discipleship needs to happen. We need to do this to everyone around us. And in light of this, I have to ask us again, how actively are you busy with the work of God? Are you a disciple? Because then you will be busy with the work of discipleship. Jesus didn't call people only to be saved, but to be discipled. Are you with me? Jesus didn't run past some guy and told him, hey, you saved, just wait there till I come. No, no, no. To everyone he said, follow me. Follow me. That is the call of discipleship. Follow me. There's action attached to it. No passive waiting. In the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 26, we read that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Disciple was the name. Christian was the name given us by the society around them. And what it means is little Christ-like ones, these people that resemble Jesus. And from a distance, they look exactly the same. What a thought. These people that do sound and act like Christ, Christians. See, a couple of years ago, I was speaking to one of my friends from school. And as I trust God to come and break down some of the misconceptions that we have as traditional Christians, that we are not born Christians, something needs to shift. You know, there's not two groups of Christians. The one, you know, that they, they those just waiting for heaven one day, and then there's that different group. You know, they take things too far. They even speak about Christ at Bryce. I mean, that's not the time or place. Are you with me? state of blackness. Relax. Wait for Sunday. Speak it to Asta. There's those different groups. One actually follows and the one just sits and waits. And as I trust God to come and break down those walls, I ask him, hey, would you say you're a Christian? Without hesitation, he says yes. Didn't think about it. Didn't pause. Simply said yes. And then I said, okay, I want to ask you a second question. Would you say that you are a disciple? And then he paused and he thought for a while. And he said no. I wouldn't say I'm a disciple. And I asked him, what is the difference between the two? And I could see that he never thought about that before. And he had to come to the inevitable conclusion that the one has heard the story and the other one has come to truly believe. One has had the information about Christ, but one has had the revelation. I know what Jesus did and it is alive to me in a very real sense. And that is why I follow. And then in light of that, I asked him, okay, but would you say that you're going to heaven then one day? Thinking to a while, he says, in light of that, no, I, I guess I, I won't. And I said, but you still say you're a Christian? Yes. No, yes, he's still definitely a Christian. But what a strange thing here. He is a Christian that is not a disciple, neither is he going to heaven one day. Isn't that interesting? And without the conversation, he simply would have thought that he's a Christian and going to heaven one day. And we have that misconception sometimes. There's no difference between the two. There's no 
Christian and then if you really want to follow, you become a disciple. Either a disciple or you're not. Like Seed Spurgeon used to say, every Christian is either a missionary or imposter. But we are called to go and make disciples of the nations. So that is what a disciple is and that is what a disciple does. But now we should ask ourselves, but why is it important for us? What does it produce in us? Why do we grow when we are devoted to discipleship? What should it remind us of? You see, and if I say to us tonight, hey guys, I have good news. We're not just going to hear a sermon. We're actually going to do a little bit of a practical tonight. We have a bus outside. We're going to get in after the service. We are going to go to the mall and we have to corner at least two people and preach the message of the gospel to them. And then as they accept Jesus, we're going to go to the dam. We're going to baptize them. Wednesday, they'll see you at small group and you have to walk a road with them and teach them all the things that Christ has taught us and teach them to obey. And the immediate response from most people is, man, that sounds a little bit intimidating. Don't know if I'm quite there yet. Don't know if I'm up to the task. And that is the right response, by the way. Man, there's a weight attached to this call. And if we don't realize that without God, this is not possible, then we don't understand it as we should. Man, without God, this is not going to happen. I cannot make someone a Christian, but God is the one who saves. I cannot give people faith in grace to obey. Only God can. So the thing that this should remind us of is verse 18 and the end of verse 20. As we go out, we should remember that Jesus Christ came and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, it should produce a dependency upon Christ like nothing else. Knowing that what I am called to do, I cannot do if God is not with me. I remember in 2018, we had a mission trip to Zimbabwe and we specifically went for deliverance. And now to go into deliverance up in Africa with people constantly busy with Sangomas, witch doctors, you know, ancestral spirits and everything that goes with the traditional African religion is going to be an immense confrontation there. And as we drove up the first night we arrive, and I tell the team, hey, I'm not going to tell you that you should spend time with God this time and this time. Take ownership of your relationship with God, but know why we are here. And the next morning as I woke up, everybody was busy spending time with God. Not a single person still sleeping. Everybody praying, everybody spending time in scripture. And as we gathered together for the first team meeting, I asked the question, who of you stands a greater dependency on God? Than we did the week before. And everybody said, we do. I experienced that dependency. Chantal was there with us. Why? Because we are fully aware that God is going to use us today to make disciples of nations, to baptize and to teach them to observe. And we are in a very real way going to be confronted with the spiritual forces of darkness. But in the name of Jesus, they will have to go. But there's no doubt that God is going to use us mightily today. There's no doubt that we are going to make disciples today. There's no doubt that we are going to preach the gospel today. And that fosters a dependency like nothing else. You see, and it forces me to be rooted in scripture, to be rooted in prayer, to be rooted in fellowship. The same things that compel me out into discipleship is the same thing I get pressed back into as I'm continuously devoting myself to the work of Christ. 
It will constantly force me back into the word, back into prayer, back into fellowship. I gather with those that support me and encourage me to love and good works. What a wonderful thing. And we have to realize today that if we are not actively busy with the work of God, it will not lead to spiritual passivity. It already is. If I'm not busy with the work of discipleship, it doesn't lead to spiritual passivity. It already is spiritual passivity. I'm either doing the work of God or I am not. Are you with me? And the writer of Hebrews writes in chapter 5, verse 11 to 14, and he writes to the church, people that have been there a while. And they're speaking about the high priestly work of Christ. And they say, about this we have much to say, but you have become dull of hearing. It's difficult to teach you. Though by this time you should have been teachers by now, you yet again need someone to come and explain to you the basic principles about the word of God. You need milk, not solid food. And he's saying you are still babies in the faith because there's no desire to follow and do the work of God. And for each of us sitting here today, if there's a passivity in your life, the command stands. Go therefore. The commission stands. Go therefore. It's not an invitation. It is a command and a commission because God is sovereign and rule of all. He doesn't invite, he commands. And he says, if you want to follow me, go. Go therefore. Stand up, shake off the passivity, begin to walk. But this is what I've called us to do. But behold, I am with you. I'm not sending you out to go and show me how good you are. I've already accepted you on the basis of the finished work of Christ on the cross. And I tell you, I'm with you. Allow me to do a work through you. I don't know if you've ever noticed the beautiful fruit of discipleship and how rich the grace of God is to us if we do that. See, it basically says by the grace of God, we are saved. He saved us not because anything that we have done, but because of his goodness alone, we are saved. And then he fills us with his spirit to go and do a work through us. And as God uses us to preach the gospel through us, he saves the other person and then he gives us the reward for it. That is discipleship. God's saying, everything that you allow me to do through you, I will reward you for. That is grace. That is storing up treasures for eternity, for heaven one day, work that God does through us because of his grace towards us. That is discipleship. That is a beautiful question. And maybe you're saying today, I don't even know where to start. That's okay. Just start to walk and God will teach you. Start to walk. Start to go. Start to make disciples. The greatest growth I've experienced in my life has happened in the following way. Someone comes to me on my walking a road with someone and they say, hey, Brown, how does this work? What does the Bible say about this? Or how should we handle this? And my answer is, I don't know. Let's go and look. Let's go and look. Let's see what scripture says. And where does it force me to? It forces me to go to the word of God, to spend time in prayer and to confirm what I've heard in the fellowship of the saints. Back into the word, back into prayer, back into fellowship. And then growth is produced. I don't know, but let's go and look together. That is discipleship. Follow me as I follow Christ. Not, hey, I understand and know anything, ask me a question. That's not discipleship. But it's come alongside, let's go. Let's do this together. And if I can encourage you as you're sitting here today, and you want to start, join a small group. Start to walk with those that have been walking for a while. Allow God to do a work of discipleship 
in you so that he can do it through you. Go and find the Timothy and the Paul and the Peter that can teach you to teach others also. I mean, it should be such a normal thing to go to someone and say, hey, I don't know, won't you come help me? But let's grow together. Without fellowship, we won't grow. Someone needs to build something into us so that God can do it through us. Romans 12 says we cannot say we don't need the body. We need every part. And when each part is working properly, working as it should, the body grows so that it builds itself up in love. But we need one another. Get stuck in. That is the importance of it to us. And I've seen many people, they, they get stuck in a rut, you know, when it comes to growth. Mainly intellectual growth. And then we get frustrated. Hey, I'm not learning anything new. I'm, I'm not sensing any growth. Man, I want to go somewhere else. And then we run through all of the churches, do all of the courses and all of the encounters. And then we're frustrated because we're not growing anymore. And the answer is, go and teach others what you have learned now. Discipleship. Teach others is not by accumulating all of the knowledge, but it is by giving that knowledge and giving the things that you've learned to the people around you. The only way we move from knowledge about God to relationship with God is obedience. There is no other way. And many of us have heard stories about God has moved mightily in the lives of others and how God has mightily used others. And we won't experience that for ourselves unless we begin to step out in obedience, begin to follow. It's like a little child standing on a roof and dad standing at the bottom. Man, you've heard it said that I can catch you. You've read the story, you've heard about it, but now experience it for yourself. Jump. See how I catch you. Experience it. But we have to step out in obedience. That is the only thing. That is the importance of it to us. The importance of it to those around us is simple. Romans 10 verse 14 says the following. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The next verse says, now will they preach unless they are sent? But scripture makes it clear that the day that we are saved, we are also sent. We are sent ones of God. Go therefore, make disciples of nations. But how will they hear? Romans 1.16 says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation. Acts 4 verse 12 says, No other name given among men by which we must be saved. Save Jesus Christ. Different religions are not different ways up a mountain, but we'll all arrive at the top in any case. No, no, no. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And like we saw last year, the different and false ideas that the nations hold is not just a wrong idea, but there's a hostile entity behind that idea with the desire to mislead, with the desire for people to worship it rather than God. Scripture says that people will depart from the faith and they will devote themselves to the teachings of demons. It's in your Bible. Hostile spirits leading people astray, but we will need to stand for truth because if we do not preach the gospel, who will? If we do not preach the gospel, who will? If we do not stand for truth, who will? Is there a love in your heart for the people around you? Preach the gospel. Make disciples. That will make disciples. With your family, with your friends, at your workplace. Are you going to be their favorite? No. 
Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes. Are you going to be hated and persecuted? Yes. But take courage. Christ has overcome the world. We are not living for this one. We are living for the one to come. But take heart and endure because Jesus Christ is with us. Jesus said in Matthew 9, looking to the crowds, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send up laborers into his harvest field. And I hope by the end of today that there are more people as we pray for God to send that says, yeah, my Lord, send me. But I will preach the gospel and I will stand for truth. I'm not saying that I know everything, but I have the ability to go with God with me, to say to people, walk with me. As we discover together what it means to follow Christ. That is the importance, growth for us and salvation for the nations. But that is not the motivation behind why we do it. The motivation is rooted in the gospel. See what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15. And he's speaking about the ministry of reconciliation. And it says that God saved us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled us to Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The moment we are saved, we receive the message to go and preach. The message of reconciliation. That in Jesus, God did not account the trespasses of the world against them, but reconciled us to Christ. That is the message we are called to preach. And in light of that, Paul writes the following. He says, for the love of Christ controls us because for this reason, this is why we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Rooted in the gospel. Because Jesus gave his life for me, I will give my life to him. Because we have concluded, because we've realized, because the revelation sunk in that I was dead in sin, but Christ made me alive together with God. And I will devote myself to him. I will no longer live for myself. See, we cannot be confronted with the reality of our sin and the grace of God and not be changed by it. Nobody says, oh, well, thank you, Lord. I'm just going to continue and go on my way. No. The correct response is, Lord, I stand in awe and I will be devoted to you as long as I live. As long as I have breath, I will follow and call upon your name. That is the response to the gospel when we understand what it means. And I have to ask us tonight, do you truly believe that the gospel is good news? Or do you think it's an irritating religious story? Tomorrow when you're at work and you are surrounded with the people around you, do you believe that it is good news? Because if you do, you will proclaim that good news. Are you aware of the problem we have as humanity dead in sin? Are you aware that the solution is found in Christ alone? Because if you do, you will preach the gospel where you are. Nothing else can save. Nothing else can sanctify. And like Jesus, when he looked to the turmoil of the world around him, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What do you see when you look around? Do you have compassion because you know that the only thing that can save is the same thing that saved you and that is the message of the gospel? Or do you in arrogance expect them to be better because you are? There is a difference. The message that we proclaim is not behavior modification. Hey, you can be better because I am. Now I was lost and dead in sin, but Christ made me alive and he's the only thing that can make those around me alive as well. 
That is the message that we should go and proclaim. And again, I ask us, are you devoted to the work of discipleship? Are you a disciple? Because then you will be busy doing things disciples do. And if you are sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know where I'm going to find time for that. I can promise you this, that you are busy with things that you should not be busy with. Because God did not call you to this great task to keep you busy with something else. I can promise you that. If you don't have time for this, you are busy with things that you should not be busy with. But this is what he expects of us. God isn't, oh, I didn't see that's going to come. COVID now, shucks. I should have anticipated. Sorry, you don't have to do the work of discipleship now. Just wait. I know you're busy with that other thing. It's fine. No, no, no. These are the things that we should be busy with. And if you realize today that there was a time that I was devoted to discipleship and there was a time where I was fully following God, but I became distracted and I became misled. The encouragement stands, Hebrews 12 verse 12 says, strengthen the weak arms and strengthen the feeble knees and walk on the straight path. So what is lame may not be put out of joint, but may be healed. Ask God to come and strengthen what remains. Lord, I see I was there, but stuff is lame. The knees are weak. The arms don't go up as they once did. I'm going to walk again, Lord, come and heal, come and restore. But I'm returning to you. And if you are here today and you never have given yourself to the process of discipleship, you, you've never surrendered to God, you've never began to follow. The message of the cross stands, surrender to him and allow him to come and do a work through you. Don't go and try to be better. You'll be accepted upon the finished work of Christ on the cross. And as you surrender, as you deny yourself, as you take up your cross, as you repent of sin and turn to God, as you Go and be baptized in the name of Jesus. He will cleanse your sin and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and he will do work through you as you devote yourself to him. But press into him, surrender to him and he will do the work in and through you. Amen. Let's stand tonight and pray together. Yes, Lord, thank you, Father, that we can stand before you, Lord, and just realize, Lord, the work that you want to do through us, Lord. Saved us because of grace. Filled us with your spirit because of grace. Working through us by grace. To impart into the lives of others by grace, Lord, and as the words we speak, Father, that you give us, come alive in the life of others, Lord, you give us a reward for that. Eternal fruit, Lord. Storing up treasures in heaven where we long to be, Lord. We are not living for this world. We are well aware, Lord, that this world is heading from bad to worse. And people will go from bad to worse. And without your grace, Lord, that includes us. The moment you remove your grace, Lord, we will join and go from bad to worse. Dead in sin, Lord deceiving others and being deceived ourselves, spending our days in hatred, malice, envy, like scripture says, but when the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You do a work in us, Lord. 
And yes, Lord, I pray, Father, for every yoke upon his shoulder right now, Lord, that says, go and be better to fall off. It's not the gospel. Surrender to Christ. Turn back to him. Press in and follow him. Does that mean that you're going to stand up tomorrow and there's just going to be a desire to follow? No. You're going to have to walk. You're going to have to take up courage. You're going to have to gather your faith and you're going to have to go. You're going to have to shake off the passivity. You're going to have to make a decision to follow. It is not going to happen automatically. And if you are standing here tonight and you've wandered away, you, you, you followed once wholeheartedly, but you've begin, become distracted and misled. If that is you, there where you're standing, lift your voice to God and say, Lord, I'm returning. I know that the moment you say you repent and you return, you are forgiven and you're on course. No need to prove yourself again. It was never about your works and it won't be now. But the finished work of Christ on the cross, the moment you say, Lord, I repent and return, you're forgiven and on course. Follow. Ask God to come and show you where the areas in your life that has become lame. Ask Him to not put it out of joint, but to heal, to strengthen what remains. Just there we are, lift up your voice to God. And if you are here tonight and you've never really followed, you've never given yourself to do the work of Christ, there isn't that assurance of salvation, no, no receiving of the Holy Spirit to testify with your spirit that you are Son of God. If that is you and if you've never really followed, just there where you stand. Repent of your sin, turn to God. Say, Lord, I lay myself down, Father. And anything that He presses on your heart that is out of line with the word, confess that just there where you stand. Lay that down. Turn to Him. And begin to follow. And as you surrender to Him, start to obey. Be baptized and devote yourself to the things that God calls you to be devoted to. Be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to the word. Be devoted to fellowship. But start to walk with those already walking. Thank you, Lord, for every prayer that is going up tonight, Lord. Thank you for every heart restored, Lord. Thank you for those hands and knees, Lord, that are not put out of joint, but that are healed, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness, Lord, and thank you for grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give us boldness to continue preaching the name of Jesus, Lord. And we want to ask, Lord, give us boldness. And fill us anew, Lord. And lead us, Lord. May no opportunity pass us by where we could have proclaimed the gospel of Christ, but we didn't. And when we do have grace, Lord, and bring opportunity again, we pray, Lord, that you would lead us to those who are in need of the message of the gospel that you would lead us to those that we can disciple. But we will go. We hear the call, Father, and we say, here we are, Lord, send us. There we are standing. If you feel an urge on your heart, just in your own words, if you want to respond to the call, won't you just say to God, Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Thank you for a great work, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.